Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, please be seated. There are little pieces of language that become a part of our families, part of what we, we say and little refrains that go back and forth. And maybe your family has some of those and every time someone says it, you smile and you go, you know what, you, you always say that. For those who come from kind of an optimistic family, uh, it could be you or dad or grandpa says, you know what, this is pretty rough, but it, it, it could be worse. Or you could come from the more kind of negative side of it where you say, well, you know, it could be better. It, 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 it's not as good as it could be. It could be better. Our family likes that. The, the one I hear is from my grandma Schreiber, my mom's mom who was a nurse in a mental hospital in Wisconsin. Again, I love the throwaway comment, I don't know why every county in Wisconsin has to have a mental hospital, but it sure seems that they do. <laughs> grandma used to say, this too will pass. And I was like that. There's times where I'm coming out of something painful and I'm thinking, you know what, this is ugly and I don't like this and I kind of feel like I'm penned up a little bit and I think of my sweet grandma saying, well, you know, this too will pass. I like that. There are refrains that are a part of our family and a part of our life. In the ongoing story of Joseph, you would think one of the refrains would be, it's not fair. Every time Joseph does something, he gets kicked in the teeth. You would think at some point, the author would, would set aside and say, and Joseph said in his soul, this isn't fair. It could have been his mission statement, for goodness sake. It's just not fair. Being loathed by his brothers, being thrown in a well, being sold to Potiphar, and then the thing with Potiphar's wife, you would think there would just be a little footnote that would say, and Joseph was so angry because life was so unfair. But I've read this story now three times and listened to it on the Hallow Bible app. And there's no place where the refrain is about how life is so unfair to Joseph. Rather, there's a couple of refrains that are extremely powerful in reminding us of God's promises. That marvelous piece that says... You meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And I think pastor's going to lead us in that in a couple weeks. Or here, verse 2, verse 20, and verse 23 of Genesis chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Three times in almost 30 verses the Lord was with Joseph. That's the refrain. That's the theme. That's the story. And as we kind of dig into this a little bit, there's three things I'd like to call your heart to this morning as we, as we think through it. The first piece is that God was with Joseph in the good days. And the second is that sin was lurking for Joseph in the house of Potiphar. And the third thing was that God was with Joseph in prison. First, God was with Joseph 
in the good days. Everything he touched prospered in Egypt. He goes to live with Potiphar. Potiphar must have thought he hit the jackpot. He bought this dude from the Ishmaelites to be a slave and to kind of do slave labor, but it turns out that Joseph's quite an apt leader. So the Bible says that Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything, or at least almost everything. Everything he touched prospered. Those are the good days. Those are the days we just love. Everything you touch, everything you say comes out right. Everything you do has King Midas gold touch to it. Those are the good days. And in the easy days, it's easy to say, hey, God is with me. This is great. There's a gentleman who hit the lottery this week. He got a billion-dollar lottery ticket, a billion-dollar ticket. It's easy for him to turn around and say, yeah, God is with me. I think the payout on that was $600 million. Unreal. It's easy on the easy days to say, God is with me when everything prospers. It's easy to look at prosperity to see God when career is fine and family is good and friends and trips and money all so good. God is with us. And even in those moments, Joseph doesn't become full of himself. Rather, he keeps working hard. He keeps building trust. He keeps doing the right thing. I would offer that in our lives, we have seasons where things come so easy. Sermons and preaching is like that, right, Tanner? Some nights you got it all figured out, you got your sermon done by Monday, and then there's mornings where the memory doesn't work on your computer and you got to rewrite the whole thing, like this morning. Church and our church life is like that together as well. Sometimes it seems like we're always getting kicked in the teeth, every decision we make doesn't work, people are struggling. And then things turn. And it's fun in the church when, when things turn for the good. How grateful I am and in those seasons. Lots of people, good enrollment in our school, resources, good morale, ministry team that just loves to get after it. And it's easy to look in those days and say, God is, God is with us. But we know that there are those seasons to come. And we need to rejoice in the good years and the good times and point our hearts with gratitude to God because we know in the story of Joseph there's going to be seven good years and then there's going to be seven bad. But enjoy the good years. Well, you know it could be better. Well, you know it could be worse. God is with us in those good years. Can you say that with us, with me? God is with us us. What a marvelous refrain to hold in your soul as you live out the good years that God has for you. God is with us. God is with me. And the second piece of this text is the ugly piece. Potiphar's wife. Sin is always lurking. The scripture says that Joseph was handsome and well-built. I think you can assume from the text that he was also winsome as well, that people were drawn to him. And Potiphar's wife sure took notice of Joseph. He knew that he had a boundary with his boss, and the wife was outside of that boundary. 
She grabbed him. He ran. She had the scarf. She screamed. And then she winds her story. And Joseph ends up in jail. What a marvelous time for Joseph to say, that's not fair. I didn't do anything. This stinks. And here I am in jail. Sin is always lurking. Our culture doesn't like to talk much about sin. I find myself thinking about it and talking about sin as an offense to God more and more and more because without the dark specter of sin, it's very difficult to see the marvelous light of the grace of God for us in Jesus Christ. No matter what season, the good season or the bad season, sin is lurking. It could be a person, it could be a temptation, it could be a situation, it could be an opportunity. But that sin is lurking. I like the picture in Genesis 5 verse 7. The Lord comes to Cain and He says this, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Paints sin as a personality, as 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 an entity, not as some amorphous thing that kind of is a dark cloud over your head. The, 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 The sin that the Lord is referring to with Cain is that sin of jealousy crouching behind the door. If you open the door and give in to this sin, you're you're in trouble. Even Cain. Even Joseph, even you and me, I know it's not fair that sin crouches at the door and waits for its moment to pounce. For Joseph, it pounces when he's in a good spot, when when he is maybe at part of the apex of, of his authority. For others, it can be when they're in a weak spot. When they're open and vulnerable and, and then the, the sin crouching behind the door opens as the door opens and the sin pounces and you're like, wow, I sure didn't see that coming. We're called repeatedly in Scripture to resist sin as Joseph did to, to run away. But what's tough is sometimes we convince ourselves that while sin is lurking that we'll figure out a way to manage it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're We're a little smarter than than God on this. We'll manage it. We'll figure it out. We'll open the door enough to kind of see what's behind. And then all of a sudden we're in the job of sin management. The Scripture says in James 4 verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sin is lurking behind the door, crouching behind the door. The Lord says, slam the door and get out of there. Leave. Let it go. Because once you're entangled in this, you're going to need something bigger than yourself to get yourself out of it. You're going to need something to come to free you. Sin is lurking. On any given Sunday, I don't know anybody's sins any more than I know my own. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will 
flee from you. In Joseph's life, sin led to a lie which led to jail, which led to being alone, which wasn't fair. Sin is lurking. And the third point, the third piece is, is, is the most powerful piece of this text. And the piece that just, in jail, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph in jail. <laughs> God was with him. That was the theme of life. I'll never forget going with my friends Leslie and Tiki to India. And, and everything in India is really hard. The weather is hard. The air is hard. The, the language is hard. The food is difficult. It's just a whole different thing than, than, than Western whatever. You go to Europe, you can get a brat. You're good. You go to India and Leslie says, I'll order for you and it will be fine. He says, Pastor, I told Mrs. K that I would not let you eat anything too hot. He came out of a restaurant and his Indian face was so red. I go, what did you eat? He said, you can't even go in the restaurant. <laughs> Sin is lurking in that restaurant, Pastor. We went to a former Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod site. 150 acres that had basically been abandoned by our denomination. They had run, the, 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 the people who had run the hospital and the mission center had run it into the ground and now it was overcome by snakes and squatters and drugs and all sorts of stuff. Leslie and Tiki had grown up there. And I looked at Leslie and I put my arm around him and I said, brother, this has got to be, this has got to be painful for you. He looked at me and said, Pastor, God is with us. God is with us. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. God is with us in the most difficult and painful moments. God is with us. It's all so unfair, but God has not abandoned Joseph. He hasn't gone in another direction saying, well, Joseph got kind of messed around here with this lady, and now we're going to go a different direction. We'll go back to Jacob. We'll pick up an older boy. We'll figure it out. It'll be good. No. God is with Joseph. God doubled down on Joseph. God said, you know what? I will show you how this works. You thought it was good running Potiphar's house. Joseph, you're going to run the jail. Marvelous words of encouragement. God is with him. God was kind to him and God prospered him. The scripture says, Joseph found favor in the eyes of the warden. And the warden let him run the place. Everything he touched prospered even in jail. Again, I never know who's going through a painful season of life. I do know that when men look down, and they think about where they're at in their lives. There's a, a picture that comes like a drive-in movie theater screen on the front of our forehead. And we see it. I know that when I preach, and it gets real quiet, I know there's a lot of reflection going on. I know that there's people who are going through painful episodes in their lives and it feels like they're in jail. 
And in jail, there are no choices, no plan, no guidance. Just the same boring, horrible day repeated over and over and over again. And God is with us. God is with us. If you're in this season, if you're coming out of this season, if you're anticipating going into a painful season, I've got good news for you this morning. God's big P plan, He's working in the lives of Jacob's family, does not include completely beautiful blue sky and completely calm seas for us to sail across over and over and over. I do know that each of us has to deal with those moments where we are in jail. And the refrain is that the Lord is with us. From Isaiah 61, verse 1, these verse, this verse, I just love this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Oh, He is with us in jail to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. That's what the Messiah would do. That's what the Christ would do. That's what Jesus was called to do, to come in and be God with us. And he said, you will call his name Emmanuel because he is God with us. God is with us, Pastor. God is with us. What a marvelous refrain to have in our lives. Jesus knows the prison you're in because he's been in prison himself. Crucified on a cross, scraped off the cross, put into a tomb, sealed with a rock for three days. Jesus knew prison. He himself held captive in that grave until the right moment. Forsaken not by humanity as much as his own father, where Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it was in that prison, in that tomb, that Jesus sealed the promise of God for you and me. God is with us in Christ. And his death and his resurrection is the seal of his presence with us and for us. God is with us, Pastor. God is with us. Sometimes God is with us to wipe away tears, to reach down and say, you're not alone. We're going to make it through this time of grief and loss together. I am with you. Sometimes God is with us in the jail of the unknown where fear wraps its clammy grips around our hearts and says, not only is God not with you, but you are completely and totally isolated because of what you've done. Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
Do not be afraid, for I have summoned you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is with you to release you, to release you and me from the sin that crouches behind the door. When God is with us, he brings his flashlight and he says, you'll be okay. I got this. Resist this and it'll go and you'll be okay. God is with us. And then that marvelous picture of God with us in jail, swinging the gate of the cell open and walking out of captivity into the freedom of the gospel with people like Peter and Paul and Joseph. He's kind that way. The scripture tells us that God is kind. Maybe in your time, in your moment, your situation in life, maybe God just is sitting with you now and reminds you that he loves you and he's with you. And like my grandma, God says, this too will pass. He's kind. He's kind that way as well. God is with us. God is with you. I'm not sure the refrain of your life. I'm not sure what you need to hear to keep you moving on and on and on. But the tap on the shoulder and the whisper in the ear this morning from the Word of God through Joseph from jail is that marvelous assurance of the promise, the refrain of the story of Joseph, the refrain in our life. God is with us. Amen. Amen. Join me in prayer. Lord, again, I have some gifts and mind reading ain't one of it. But I do know there's people this morning who feel alone and struggle with that, isolated. That's the nature of the sin that lurks is to cut us off from community. And yet, Lord, here we are. Lift up our chin, look into our eyes. Let the light of your grace shine in the dark spaces of our heart and grant us your mercy. You are a God who delivers from the sin that lurks. For those who just need a tap on the shoulder, grant us that tap in this promise this morning that you are with us. For those who need a a, a little bit larger prod towards repentance, grant that as well and provide the release in your presence. Lord, for those who seem to have an insurmountable amount of pain in their lives, I ask your hands of relief upon them that you would enfold the circumstances of their lives in the arms of your grace and grant them your peace. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.